I want to welcome y'all here today. It's a beautiful day out there. A little bit nippy, but at least it's clear. If we've got investors here today, please fill out that connect card in the uh, book rack in front of you and either leave it on the pew or you can drop it in the uh, offering box back here on the back wall, which is also where we're taking up our offering. This Wednesday night, Brother Ray will be continuing with the Bible study for us. And next Sunday, we're going to get to hear Carvin again. And then next Sunday at 3 o'clock, we're having a celebration of life service for Larry Worsham. Next Monday, that would be the fifth Monday of this month, is we'll be serving food at Grace Place. So we need to bring some of those um, oatmeal cream cookies. Uh, for desserts. I was asked to read a card here today. I'm going to put this on the bulletin board after I finish with it, but I'll read you the uh, personal letter inside if I can get through it without tearing up. This is from the Crane family. Dear Church, Thank you for the blessing of being part of the family here at Cypress Street Church of God. Thank you for all the love, prayers, cards, visits, delicious food you provided. We also thank you for the calls to check up on us and to encourage us many times. Thanks for the 10 Bibles distributed by the Gideons. Jerry would be so pleased. We love you all. Many Mary, James, John, and Vicki, and June, and our grandchildren, our granddaughter, Amanda. And she says, P.S., Jerry loves Cypress Street very much. And I think she told me that there was, what, I think 60 Bibles? Uh, the 10 she's talking about here is from the church, but a total of 60 Bibles, getting Bibles were bought in his memory. I want to share a little devotion with you. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God's truth never restricts you. It always sets you free. Are you discouraged? Is there a sense of bondage in a particular area of your life? A lack of victory over a certain sin? A harmful addiction? Is it possible that you do not yet understand a truth about God that can release you? If you feel powerless to meet the challenges before you, take encouragement from the promise of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you are defeated by circumstance, hold on to the truth of Romans 8.28, that God can work your most difficult situation into his good. If you are enslaved to a particular sin, Work the truth of 1 John 1, 9 into your life, which promises that if you confess your sin, God is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and all these truths await the Holy Spirit's implementation into your life. It's one thing to know about the truth, is yet another thing to experience the truth of God being worked out in your life. So let His truths empower you. At this time, James had something he wanted to uh, share with us.
Good morning again. Uh, I just wanted to, to sort of bring everybody up to date. Remember, we've got uh, Brother uh, Dan Masters and Lynn's. I'm having a problem. I can't read off paper this morning because I got one eye going one way, one other one. So just uh, be patient with me. But we've got the, we've got uh, Brother Dan and Lynn coming in the weekend of the uh, the 28th and 29th. Be here on on uh, Friday. They'll be coming in and then. Uh, We'll be having the uh, a service here in the morning. Well, we'll they'll be meeting at 10:30. Is that right, Randy? 10:30. 10:30 Saturday morning. And so, if you'd like to come to meet them, then you be able to do that. And then they'll uh, he'll be preaching Saturday evening, and then Sunday he'll be uh, back with us and. Uh, He'll be visiting the circles, I believe, and then he'll be preaching Sunday, Sunday, Sunday morning. So they're excited about coming and meeting our church family, and so we're excited about them being here too. He's been in the ministry for uh, for uh, over 30 years, 40. 45. And by the way, I'm 50. Well, he was a kid, so. <laughs> It's him and, him and Mr. Brother Ray's just, uh, they're about the same age, I believe. But Brother Dan, he's excited about having the opportunity to come and meet meet with us. Y'all continue praying for him. If it's God's will, that they will, uh, they will uh, be here and, and then we'll make a decision on them coming. But I'm real excited about, I feel like it, uh, God has worked this out for us so far, and we're going to be able to uh, to uh, have a pastor and a pastor family here with us. So, anyway, just plan on being here. The that's uh, on Saturday that morning. If you'd like to come, and then that evening we'll have the service here at, uh, and I think that's at six o'clock. So, anyway. Good to have each of you here this morning, so. If there's any questions on that, please feel free to, to uh, get with me on that. Bill Randy or Carolyn. Okay, Dale. Y'all did understand that Ray meant 50 years of ministry, not 50 years of age, right? <laughs> 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 Won't you stand with us as we begin our worship service this morning? We're here to sing praises to our Lord. So won't you join in as we do so this morning?
this is another good song, Tell What He's Done For You. That is our command to go out and tell others about what he's done for us, and we in, they in turn can turn to God and receive his blessings. song, a beautiful song, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life in me.
beautiful, beautiful message. You may be seated. Children, you may go to your classes. Good to see all of your smiling faces out there. Smile for me. <laughs> you know, we sang that song just now, Tell What He's Done For You. Sometimes we say, I don't know how to witness. Tell what He's done for you. Others may need Him too. That's what the line said. And that, I thought, that's all, it's as simple as that. Just tell what He's done for you. They say, wow, maybe He'll do that for me too. So, don't be afraid to witness. Just tell what God has done for you. I don't think our speaker needs an introduction, but I will open us with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for your blessings to this church. We've had a wonderful interim pastor who's willing to come in from retirement and lead us on we've enjoyed this sermons Lord but we're looking forward to what you have in store for us be with us in the, as the masters come that we want your will to be done Lord so just lead and guide and direct us help us Lord to be willing to go out and tell what he's done for us we ask these things in Jesus name Amen that I'm not 50 years old. I know I look it. Although I have a friend that's an eye doctor some of you might need to go see if, uh, if you think that's the truth. Now, it's funny that that came up today when James was, was talking because I was thinking about that I preached my first sermon. My, my dad got sick and um, you know, sometimes all the time runs together. I think I was 16. I might have been 17. My dad got sick in Hutchinson, Kansas, preached my first sermon. And uh, I know by the time I was 18, I'd, I'd gotten in ministry there uh, as a youth pastor um, and uh, been ordained for 46 years. But I was thinking about that. Man, over 50 years of preaching, you'd think I'd get where I could do it. You know what I mean? That I'd get good enough to maybe make it through. So... Uh, we, we will see. Um, Dan and Lynn, uh, I, I, I want to make sure, I know the leadership team, thank you for the unity, by the way. The search team and the leadership team have been meeting together. Sister Nancy called a business team, which we had a lot of stuff to do, but also to kind of discuss everything. And I do want to tell you publicly the unity among your leaders and everything is amazing. And we don't all have the same personality, but we, we share it openly and there's no, you know, there might be differences of opinion a little bit, which is, a, is good, but it's just neat in the body of Christ, the unity that's there that you don't see in Washington 
or that often in Baton Rouge or anywhere else. It's just neat to see the unity, uh, even though there's, there's diversity. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to give you full disclosure as well, church, because next Sunday, Brother Carvin's going to be sharing uh, in, in the morning message, and I'll be at North Crossings. And uh, then we'll be back here at 3 o'clock to honor our good friend and brother and his life and celebrate the life of Brother Larry Worsham. So next week's a big, a big week, you know, pretty busy Sunday. And then the following uh, weekend, of course, is a real big weekend for Dan and Lynn. And I do feel led to just tell you that uh, Dan and Lynn uh, and Dana and I uh, all separately <laughs> went to Gulf Coast Bible College in the Heights area of Houston uh, back in the 70s, the 1970s, not the 1870s. But we, we were there, and um, it, it wasn't a western town that much. They had cars and interstates and things like that. But, um, but we were all there together. A um, lot of respect for them. I knew them when they were obviously younger. A lot of respect for them. They got together and got married. Dana and I had already dated some. and. And, and got together, of course, and got married all while we were there. And uh, we've known them, uh, set together in General Assembly meetings at, at our national meetings, always uh, try to make a point to go out and eat with them. Every year we would go up there. Uh, been in pastoral ministry, you know, kind of the old way, like living in parsonages the whole time, uh, five kids, uh, people of integrity. And, and I had contacted him because he's a leader in the state of Illinois represents kind of southern Illinois on credentials and leadership. And uh, southern Illinois is totally different Chicago. <laughs> Farm area, amazing deer hunting by the way. Uh, beautiful area. And um, I was asking him about, you know, do you know anybody to be a pastor? You know, that kind of thing. We're searching. Uh, we, we were looking everywhere. And he said, no, I'm working on that too because God's told me my time here is done. I've been here longer than anybody ever has. I think the time's up and then some things happened and I needed to stay. There was a tragic death. and He, want, he loves the people. He wanted to stay and see them through. And so then we started talking. He said, you know, I think the Lord's got one more pastor than, in me, you know. And by one more, I mean in not a year or two because he don't stay a year or two. <laughs> you know? I got one more. I said, really? I said, that's awesome. He said, yeah, we're a team and we work together. So one thing led to another. It wasn't sought out. God just opened the doors. So I have to tell you, I'm excited. I'm excited. And again, I appreciate what Dale said because I love y'all. You know that. But I'm excited. There's some things going on that I need to take care of. Um, and, and we're looking at building a new building. And I, I've got to be involved in some things. So I want to tell you I'm excited about that. And, uh, and, and I really am. Okay. We started sharing last week on a new sermon series, Dare to Share. And I appreciate the worship team, the songs that were picked out. Um, and, you know, it starts with a broken heart. We talked about that, having the heart of God last week. And just anything in the world of having the heart of God is where it always starts. And I ask you to be thinking of some people that you know, it doesn't mean you, you're not judging them. It's someone you're not sure where they are with the Lord. They may be a Christian. They may not be, but you're not sure to list that. And at the bottom of your outline today, I've got a, a place there where maybe God can put some names and burdens on your heart. 
And, and, and I think it's, it starts with prayer, and we're going to talk about, about that today. Barna has done a lot of research, and one of the things that years ago when I was coming up, about 85, and, and became a youth pastor, 85% of the people that accepted Jesus Christ do it by age 18. I want you to think about that. Okay. That says, Sherry, others, that youth and children's ministry is what? Very, very, very important. Alright, as time's gone on, guess what? Parents aren't taking their kids to church. That's tanking. So, the, the last research was down, it was down 21% from there to 64%. And if I was guesstimating based on the amount of parents that don't take their kids to church anymore, the amount of video games, everything going on, I would imagine it's probably in the 50s. About 50% of the people that accept the Lord do it by 18. But that's still significant. And that still tells you the, the power of the preschool ministry, ladies, of everything we do for children, of you guys that suck it up and strive to go in there and, and talk to the youth, to talk to Carly, to talk to Connor, you know, to talk to Barrett, you know, to talk to you guys, to talk to you, to spend time with you. There's, that's not wasted. It's very important. And I'll, I'll think about another positive with that as well. After that, 13 more percent by 21 kind of a smaller group, and 23% after 21. But here's the cool thing. Of the older ones, the ones that accept the Lord after college essentially, they actually tend to be more committed, but they're more confused in their theology and their belief. Well, that makes sense. If they haven't been raised in church, hadn't been around that, they get saved later, they're so excited about the Word of God, they're excited about what's going on, and they're more committed to come to church, but they kind of mix in a little bit of Elvis, that king, with Jesus king. You know what I mean? There's just a little confusion that's there. The advantage, another advantage of having great youth and children's programs and teaching the Word of God is you grow up and at least your theology is good. Does that make sense? You're, you're, you're grounded. Another thing that it says 35% of the people who do not go to church anywhere would be open to attend if somebody would invite them. And that shocked me. That means one third. Now it doesn't mean you run down your neighborhood and yet, would you go to church with me? Nope. Okay, you're a no. Would you go to church? Nope. Nope. You're a no. Okay. You go to church with me? You didn't say no. yes. You've got to say yes. There were th two. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean it works that way. It's just saying about a third of the people that don't go to church would be willing to come. And I think even maybe more than that if, if, if you invite them and you have an opportunity to, to do that. Another statistic was that 60%, which is a vast majority of the people that do accept the Lord, do it by personal invitation or personal evangelism. Only one in ten get really saved by coming to church. So coming to church alone is not the thing. That, that, that does get some people. And I actually was, was heard a testimony this week of somebody that invited them to a church event. And by being there, that started the road. And there's nothing wrong with that, and we need to do that. But there's nothing to substitute a personal relationship with somebody 
and a personal invitation like Dale was talking about. And that's so important as well. Today, 58% of the church attenders feel comfortable sharing their faith, and that's a positive thing. 58%, that actually is going up. I think the church is now more involved in some pretty faithful people that are here, and 58 feel pretty comfortable sharing their faith. And I don't mean just on Facebook. One of the problems on Facebook is the whole thing where people project how they, they want to be, not always how they are. But here's the bad thing, and this is why we need to talk about this. 78% of those that attend church have not shared their faith to anyone in the last six months. So three-fourths and more of Christians attending churches, and I know that's not Cypress Street, that's not North Crossings, that's not Louisiana or Arkansas or probably Texas, but around the country, 78% have not shared in the last six months. Now let me make myself clear. I'm not talking about being in the line at Walmart and stopping the checker and say, if you died right now, where are you, go are you going to hell? I'm not talking about that. In fact, I hope you never do that. Okay, we're going to get to the how. But I'm talking about, I can't imagine this, because in life things come up all the time. And I'm talking about things, something comes up and say, wow, I'll pray for you about that. Or hey, my, you know, you just, or hey, I know where there's power and we know where it comes from. They go, what? Man, the Lord, you know. I mean, just things like that. I can't imagine making it a week without talking to somebody about the Lord. But we have 78% according to the study saying they haven't shared in the last six months. So, dare to share. Let's talk about opportunities. They're sharing that wins and they're sharing that wounds, brothers and sisters. And so, I'm asking you and I this question, how can we present Christ in such a way that makes the most of every opportunity? A couple of years ago, and this is some, I'm hitting you guys with some tough stuff. I noticed last Sunday, you know, I was talking about having the heart of God, and it was pretty, kind of pretty tough and pretty challenging and all. And this one's going to have some tough stuff and be pretty challenging as well. A couple of years ago, in Pennsylvania at Easter, the best time, by the way, to reach out to people, right? Building up to Easter, which is, by the way, April, we're coming up. We, we, I hope and believe you're going to have a pastor here by April. He wants to be here a week or two before Easter, you know. He wants to be with you in Easter, and that's exciting. This church advertised they had a special children's program for Easter. When the people got there on stage were all these Easter eggs, the kids were so excited, thought there might be an Easter egg hunt, and they were going to be a part of it. But can you imagine what happened and how shocked they were the whole community's there when they started talking about the evils of the Easter eggs and the Easter bunny. And they started slamming it and it got so bad that the youth pastor dressed up like the Easter bunny and the kids got whips and started whipping the Easter bunny. How's that going to go in the media? This is before Facebook. Before Facebook. Okay. One visitor, Melissa Sossman, was interviewed by TV, and she actually was pretty nice. She told how her four-year-old daughter began to cry and say, Mommy, why? Why are they beating the Easter Bunny? Now, I'm not going to debate the theology of the Easter Bunny. I'm not going to debate the theology of Halloween and all those things. I try to direct the church 
to the true meaning and the importance of all those things and what the Bible says. But let me make myself perfectly clear. <laughs> Publicly flogging the Easter Bunny is not an effective evangelism tool. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you, Jesus. I'm here to tell you we have sometimes churches that I, I think some of them have good heart, but they're just crazy. The days of browbeating people or trying to win them with that kind of negativity are over. They're gone. In fact, if you're one of the people when you walk out of the room, the lights come on and the music starts coming and everybody's dancing, don't share Jesus Christ with anybody. If on the other hand, you're somebody that loves the Lord, you have a personal relationship with the Lord, then yes, share Jesus. Share what you have. I've got an awesome scripture for you this morning. There's not a person in here that could probably not say this is almost like a perfect calling. I think it's one of the texts that God gave me to be a theme for my pastorate and my ministry. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Paul's so amazing. You can read his, you can hear his heart. And you can just see how neat God uses him in an amazing way. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. Man, that, you could preach a sermon on that right there. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Remember we preached a whole sermon series on the attitude of gratitude. Don't forget to pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to preach about this secret plan that Christ is also for you Gentiles. By the way, he's writing to the Gentiles, so he's saying for everybody, but that's who he's writing to. This is why I'm here in chains. Verse 4, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not Christians. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. God will give us many opportunities. That's something we ought to pray about. God, open the door. I don't think you need to go beat on doors. I've done that, by the way. I've done personal evangelism and I've done that. But I think today what you need to do is pray and look for opportunities and they'll come all the time. I'll be honest with you. Now, if God lays a burden on the heart for a neighbor, then I need to pray for him. If a friend, and I'm going to give you some re reality. Let's say that, uh, let's say Linda and LM have a family member that's lost that I happen to know. All right, it's not true. That's why I'm picking on them. Okay. Um, and it's sometimes hard for them, particularly if it was a son or daughter. Do you follow what I'm saying? Sometimes it's hard on them. They live the life. But I know them too, and they share that with me, and they begin to pray. Guess what? I might take that opportunity to do that. Does that make sense? We kind of do those sort of things. Sometimes your closest people at home, it's kind of hard to share, particularly if they're a parent, a son or daughter, those kind of things. And it says, pray that I proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Live wisely and make the most of every opportunity. But I want us to say this together, gracious and effective. Can you do that? Gracious and effective. 
For many Christians, their conversation, for some Christians, is neither gracious or effective. The Easter Bunny story was very ungracious, and it surely wasn't effective. So how can we share to make the most of every opportunity? Number one on your outline, live a life that gives you the right to share. Now I'm not talking perfect. There's nobody in here perfect. Starts right up here. Nobody's perfect. So calm down. <coughs> but make sure that you're talking about something that you've experienced. I can't give Barbara Powell and tell her all about Jesus effectively if I don't know who Jesus is. If I've never gone snow skiing, I can't tell Barbara a thing about it. I mean, I can read and do all that, but I, it's not the same. If, you know what I mean? You, you, you share what you have. And the cool thing about this is God's the one that gives us the grace. God's the one that gives us that call, that Holy Spirit we sang about speaks to us, and we have this personal relationship with Him, and He gives us that opportunity, and all we're doing is sharing what happened to us. Never, ever, ever discount the power of your testimony. And it doesn't need to be bad, like one time I was wicked and I was trying to kill Christians like Paul. Now you don't have to, especially if it's not true, don't make it up. There's stories of those famous people that, that lied about what all they did. No, you don't need to celebrate that. Just tell the truth. Just tell what God has done. Secondly, make sure your experience of salvation is demonstrated in the way you live. A person that is saved needs to demonstrate it effectively. I, do y'all remember there used to be something called newspapers? I have a hunting camp down in Caldwell Parish and they have a, a parish paper down there, the Caldwell Watchman, and it's kind of cool. It tells everything, it it's, tells everybody that gets arrested, everybody that gets a ticket, Everybody that does, everybody that's engaged, everybody that's getting married, I mean, it's got it all. Y'all remember those days? Anybody? Okay. Well, this is up in Pennsylvania, also up north, years ago, and I thought this was pretty good. I'd talk to you about this. Monday, the pastor there wanted to sell a TV, and here's what the ad said. The Reverend A.J. Jones has one color television for sale, Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. Ask for Ms. Donnelly, who lives with him, cheap. Well, that didn't, that didn't go across too good. So they retracted it. He called them and said, hey, this is not working out. So the retraction has the same words are in every one of them, but they're going to mix out where they are. We regret any embarrassment caused to Reverend Jones due to a typographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have said, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313. Ask for Ms. Donnelly who lives with him after 7 p.m. <laughs> On Wednesday, this is Monday, Tuesday, now we're at Wednesday. The Reverend A.J. Jones informs us he has received several annoying telephone calls because of an incorrect ad we put in yesterday's paper. 
The ad should have said, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color TV for sale cheap. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. So they do pretty good so far. Ask for Ms. Donnelly, who loves with him. <laughs> one letter, supposed to be lives, right? Loves. Well, that wasn't even in the ad. They just added that. Finally, Thursday, you'll love this. Thursday. Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color TV for sale. I have smashed it. <laughs> Don't call 626-1313 anymore as I have not been carrying on with Ms. Donnelly. She was until yesterday my housekeeper. How you say things and how you present things is important. You know, and it can get all confusing. Our scripture on the outline there, Matthew 15, 16, 16 says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So, we are to have good deeds in our life and let them shine. And here's the important thing, always, always give God the glory for that. If somebody says, how did you do that? How do you help these people? How do you do whatever you do in life or, or, or you're giving or whatever? Say, man, it's always, it's God. Let me tell you, it's God. And there are times I'm telling you in my life with all these years I've done, I don't really always want to do the right thing. I've joked with you about the story where the mom was talking to her son and you know, said, look, it's time to get up and go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church and all that. And the mom said, well, you're the pastor. You got to go, you know. There's Sunday mornings I don't want to go. There's Sunday mornings I, my stomach hurts or I don't, you know, we, those kind of things. But you still do it. How many of you ever not wanted to go to work before? Be honest. Most of you are honest. If you didn't raise your hand, I, I won't have the altars open, but see me after church. Yes, everybody's had a day they didn't want to go to work. Everybody's had those kind of things. That's not what's important. You do it anyway and you give God the credit because He's the one that, 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 that allows you to do good, that allows all that to happen. So the first one is just make sure you live a life that gives you the right to shine and share and give the opportunity to tell. It doesn't mean you're perfect, just make sure you've experienced the Lord. Secondly, be bold when the window of opportunity is open, but respectful when it closes. We're learning from Paul and we're learning from Jesus. Be bold when the window of opportunity is open, but respectful when it closes. Many of us fall into two extremes. Some of us, by nature, are timid and embarrassed or cautious about sharing our faith. And it's not that we don't love God or we're in the army of God, but we're more in the secret service. It's a secret to everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our challenge is to step out of the comfort zone. And Jesus tells us if you're ashamed of the gospel, if you deny me before man, guess what? He's not going to be your advocate before God the Father. So we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. If it's really transformed your life, you can't be ashamed of that. You just, you just tell. And you might even not tell it perfect. Who cares? Just tell what God has done for you. So we need to be bold. But the other extreme is like a Rambo for Jesus. 
You know, like you wear camo and have a knife and you grab somebody, put the knife to their throat. So if you died right now, would you go to heaven? I mean, there are some people I've known in my career and seen that that way. And recently, just a week ago, I was speaking with someone that kind of had that judgmental, you know, if you fanatical kind of deal, the spirit wasn't good. And that's so repulsive. So repulsive. I want to give you a fact I've learned. There is a like a scale of receptivity that people have. And let's just talk about John Doe. There's, there's days and times that John Doe's real receptive. There are days and times John Doe's not receptive. In other words, think about your life. There are times when things happen, they're receptive. But there's also times when they're going through a tough time and you don't need to really be pushing something. Does that make sense? You love on them. You meet the need. So the person that needs water, Jesus gives them water. And then what does he do? He talks to them a little bit about their life. I'm thinking of the prophet that just smoked all the prophets of Baal. And then he gets depressed because this crazy woman's after him, which I kind of understand that. And he finds himself under a tree somewhere. And he's all depressed and all. And the Bible says God touched him and he gave him something to eat. And then he began to speak to it. In other words, there are needs that are there that need to be available. And so when opportunities, when somebody's receptive, man, go for it. When it closes, back off. In other words, maybe you watered a little bit or planted or something, but then wait and another person might have an opportunity to do that. I love the fact when I was in college, the stained glass window had a picture of Jesus knocking at a door, and the door was beautiful, but it didn't have a knob on it because the knob's on the inside. And I love the scripture. I say it all the time. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not kicking the door down. He's not yelling at you for not opening it. He's knocking. That says a lot right there. Look at your scripture. Mark, Mark 10, 21, 23. There's this case of this guy that done everything right. Probably none of us are as self-righteous as the rich young ruler. But notice, even with the rich young ruler, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. The first thing is having the heart of God. He looked at this man and had love for him. You lack only one thing, Jesus told him. Go sell all that you have, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus invited him to become an apostle or a disciple. Come and follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went sadly away because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. Not impossible, but hard. Jesus showed love to him with the truth. Notice this. Jesus let him walk away. He didn't go grab him. He didn't throw him to the ground. He didn't call him, you idiot. You didn't join me. Go be condemned. He didn't do that. I put a quote on your outline, I think. Christ 
never forced himself upon anyone, and you and I don't have the right to do that either. In fact, the whole plan of God is not to make us Christian. He could do all that, or to make us to have that. He actually loves us, first loves us. We've messed up. He keeps loving us, but it's He's reaching out. He's knocking. He's, he's using us as a church. We're His ambassadors. That's what we are. But He's not making us. We, he wants us to choose Him. Thirdly, be sure you're speaking their language. Be sure you're speaking their language. There's a cool video I, I probably should have tried to get to Brooke to play. But it, it, it's the sports announcer and he's kind of talking about how Christians talk. But sometimes we got to be careful. Sometimes we say words like justification, um, uh, propitiation, eschatology. I know I say these words sometimes. What's your theological perspective or your Arminius, Arminianism, Calvinism, Wesleyan, Church of Godian, or your Church of God Andersonian, or Clevelian, or out in Californian? You know, I mean, we get into all this stuff. Or we use preachy Christianese language. I sometimes listen to some of the old great preachers and sermons, and there's no doubt, man, they're orators and they can preach. But that's not how they talk. And then God! You know, and all that sort of thing. Sometimes we just need to be real and be right. One of these days I might preach that way. I kind of always wanted to, but anyway, those kind of things. Colossians 4, 6 in our text says, gracious and effective. Effective is speaking their language. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. I try to find common ground with everyone so I might bring them to Christ. I do all this to spread the good news, and in doing so I enjoy His blessings, its blessings. This is not lower your standards. This is, if I find out Brooke and I have uh, maybe a person that sings, a singer, an artist, or something that means a lot to us, or there's a movie we like, and I find that out, that's common ground. And I'm like, so you like whoever, you know, sidewalk prophets or whatever. And so we start talking. Does that make sense? You try to find common ground. You try to find, speak their language. And then sometimes I've been with people kind of witnessing to them, and particularly students or other people, and I'm going, Lord, I can't even speak their language. You know, let my love go through. Cause, and I've actually said, bless your heart, I really don't understand what you just said. Because I don't know that much about Zelda I don't know that much about Minecraft. I don't know that. So I'd have to get one of you guys to, you know, I, I, can y'all come talk to them? Because I, I don't know all that stuff. I, I, I'm, I don't have a clue. You follow what I'm saying? Sometimes that's the way it works. But I'm here to tell you, you can be an old man and really influence people because I can tell you God's used me to work on a lot of college students and have a big age gap. Because the important thing is you have God's heart and you just are passionate about what you believe and what you know. And even if you speak a different language, God can use that. But when possible, it's best to have the same language. Remember in Acts chapter 2 when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking? Even God there allowed everyone to hear in their what? Own language. Their own language. If we were to go to Central America, we're carving 
has ministry or, or South America or anywhere south of the border, he's going to be much more effective than me because I can say taco, burrito. I mean, I've got about five words. I do know alto. That almost got me in trouble. <laughs> and peso to get back across the border. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I can't speak their language. You get the, what I'm talking about? It, it's so important if we can speak their language. And I don't mean just language language, but even the love languages that we have. Number four, talk with people, not down to people. Talk with people, not down to people. There's a cool uh, story of a chaplain that was at a hospital and they were required to wear a coat and tie every day and you know they were employed there. And one day he was visiting a woman who had a very difficult surgery, very tough time, and he came in to visit her. And the woman said this, I know you mean well, but I feel very uncomfortable in this hospital room, in, in my hospital gown, in my bed, and you're all dressed up. I just feel uncomfortable and exposed. Well, the chaplain left, went down the nurse's station, got a hospital gown, went in one of the rooms, changed, put on his hospital gown, came back in and sat down with her, and the woman was blown away. <laughs> and he witnessed to her, the conversation was good, the door was open, so that uh, the newspaper couldn't present another article on that. And anyway, the chaplain was so excited by how the lady was encouraged and how good it was, he walked out in his hospital gown going down to the nurse's station to tell him and forgot to put his clothes on, you know, back on. And she said, uh, Pastor, let, 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 remember over there? You need, and of course he ran <laughs> to put him back up. But you get the point. That was a cool deal that he felt the Lord kind of showing him to be just like them. You know, I'm not a chaplain. I'm not a reverend. I'm just like you. In Titus 3, 3 through 5, I love this. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated others and they hated us. But then God our Savior showed us His kindness and love. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you really think about it, it's okay to remember how you were so that you don't get too cocky of how you are now. Does that make sense? and too high and mighty. I also love this, a lot of people glorify sin and how things were. Let me say, there's pleasures in sin, but you're addicted. There's pleasures in drugs, but you're addicted. You follow what I'm saying? There's pleasures in all, but you're addicted. There is nothing to brag about in the world. There's nothing. You're addicted. And even this scripture speaks the truth of all the Hollywood people and all the power brokers and what we see going on in the news. Do they love one another? Man, they turn on each other. They post one thing that's a different thing or politically incorrect and they bail out left and right. There's no love for one another. And this scripture actually says that. So we really never should be cocky. In fact, I have a quote on your outline. 
fill in the blank. It is all level ground at the foot of the cross. Anybody agree with that? At the foot of the cross, nobody's better than anybody and nobody's worse than anybody at the foot of the cross. Finally, make sure your love for them is louder and clearer than your words to them. Boy, that is so important. I've said it multiple ways, and it's clear as about this is huge. The people on our list, the people that God puts on our heart, and I've actually thought about bringing a cross up here and a bunch of stick notes and let us put people's name on it and, and stick it to the cross. And, and then we could all pray for the names that are on the cross without looking at them. I, I mean, obviously, not to break confidentiality. But it starts with the heart of God and, and the people on our list, the first thing they need to know is that we love them. We really care about them. And I, I, can't, I can't say anything more than just to tell you that's so much what's needed. Regardless of whether they ever accept your invitation to accept Jesus, to come to church, if they maybe kind of, I got a neighbor that calls me the energizer deacon. He don't go to church, he don't have a clue. I've been working on him and we're getting, we get about over here and then we kind of come back. We're doing the, what dance is that? Two steps sideways? I don't know what we're doing, but bless his heart. But he sees me working in the yard, or I'll come help him. I do a lot of things to try to help him every opportunity that I have. And he doesn't know what a preacher is. He doesn't know what a Christian is. But he knows I leave every Sunday and go to church, and every Wednesday night, so I'm a deacon. He heard about them. And so I have energy, and I go to church, so I'm a deacon, you know. And, uh, and I've told him different things, but it doesn't always work. He is different. He struggles. He drinks things I don't drink. He says things I don't say. But God has given us kind of a heart for one another. And boy, if anybody drives into my driveway, I have a long driveway, circle drive, he'll call, what's a white car doing over at your place? <laughs> I'm in Kansas right now on a deer stand. You want me to go over and shoot him? No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, I ain't want nobody to mess with my deacon, buddy. In other words, I've developed a relationship with him and a respect with him, and I love him, and he knows that. And every now and then I get to say something. It gets serious. I plan on talking to him. He says, man, you've been gone a lot. You're going at weird times. And I was actually going to plan on telling him, look, I've had six funerals in the last month. And guess what? That's an opportunity. Wow. How'd that happen? You see what I'm saying? Whoa. And if it don't go anywhere, we'll let it slide. Next time, you just, you just say, God, Holy Spirit, lead me. Notice Romans 5.8. What did God do to us? God demonstrated His own love for us. While we were still sinners, He died for us. Take that scripture and use it in sharing your faith. How, Pastor Ray? 
God loved us when we were super jerks. So when you got a super jerk neighbor or super jerk or whatever, what do you do? We love them. We love them. And I'll tell you what, I prayed, God, I can't love that jerk. How do you love them? Well, you're God, of course you can do it. And then as I keep praying, God goes, well, I do love their soul. <laughs> I'm talking jerk, okay? And God works on you. And that love will come through. Y'all all know young people can sense many times when you tell a fib. Let me tell you, lost people can too. And if your love is there, even if you say the wrong thing, it comes through. I have a couple quotes I want to close with. Francis of Assisi said, Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. At the bottom of your outline, God has placed a burden for. I pray that you didn't blow off last week's sermon, but I know you're human and you're normal, and we probably did. So I'm challenging again. I'm going to challenge you next, next in, two, in, in a few weeks. And you've actually got three weeks, two or three weeks to do this. I want you to really ask God to lay a burden, and I'm going to pray for you, on your heart for somebody. I've got five spaces for five or more names there. And, you know, you don't have to prioritize them, but they're for you. And you can take that and tear it off, put it in your Bible, put it in your billfold, put it in your purse, and look at it once in a while and pray for them, okay? That's where it starts. And what we're going to start and say is, God, give me your heart for them. You place the burden on me. Lord, let me love them. And then the next thing is you pray for an opportunity. And Lord, if I don't have the opportunity, let's say Terry's name was on that. I would go, Lord, if I don't have an opportunity to see Terry, pray that Kathy will see Terry or somebody else. You know what I mean. Pray for other people to have opportunities. You see what I'm saying? That's, is that difficult? No. That's simple. Would you bow with me? Worship team, do you have a song? Bow with me. Oh, Holy Spirit, in spite of all the words that I shared this morning, I pray that you would speak to each heart here, and God, would your will be done. I pray, Lord, that you would place on all of our hearts, regardless, Lord, from the pastor, me, all the way to every person in this church, including the children's workers, that, Lord, you would place a burden for some individuals, people that you love, God, that you're placing on our heart to pray for and maybe have an opportunity to share or pray that other people have an opportunity to share. Lord, we all know somebody we're not sure where they stand. Lord, it's clear they're not attending church regular. Or it's clear that they don't seem to have a relationship with you to us. But God, you place a burden on our heart for their soul. And God, I pray that you would allow us to be faithful and jot those names down and pray for them and pray that they'll get opportunities to know you. Lord, time is short. We've seen that just in the last month. Father, if things continue, it's not even that much 
longer for most of us. We, most of us in this room have lived more life than what we have left. God, may we make the most of every opportunity and not stress over it, but do it in love and do it by your Holy Spirit's guidance. Give us a mind and a heart for those that don't know you to bring them on board with the greatest relationship we have and we possess in our life. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? So